0: now, welcome your host, a founding father of SEO, and an accomplished search engine marketing scholar, the host of SEM Synergy, Bruce Clay.
1: Hello, you're listening to SEM Synergy, your weekly digital marketing podcast. I'm Bruce Clay, here with Rob Ramirez, Christy Kellogg, Virginia Nessie, and Dwayne Forrester.
2: Thanks, Bruce. We've got a great show lined up for you today we're gonna be talking all about images. Big part of digital marketing, visual stuff, we're visual creatures, we wanna be delighted and engaged by the images we see online. And so we'll talk about some updates regarding Google Photos, Instagram, and Twitter. The first half of the show, we're gonna talk about an update to Google Photos and also cover some best practices for optimizing your images online. And then later on the show, we'll talk about some more social media type topics, including an update to photos on Twitter, and Instagram and our social media best practices for images.
3: I'm so glad you brought up Google Photos, Virginia. Google Photos rolled out an update that includes smarter albums, which can combine photos, videos, and maps from a user's trip to create a totally new album that highlights automatically. So album selections can be edited and
2: captions added if
3: you want. It's great
2: stuff. I guess I'm, I think this kind of branches off into this conversation about what Google's doing with it's photos product. I tried making a, a photo collection on Google Photos and it was not super intuitive and that was this week. And I couldn't find a link for sharing it on my mobile. So I know that mm. Google's trying to figure out how to make this plus slash images thing work, but I think they still have some work.
4: Yeah, I mean these kinds of things are fantastic. It's a great way to embed your business in a person's life in a very personal and meaningful way. And we see a similar approach with Facebook where they pull up old information from you and say, hey, a year ago, four years ago, you did this, you said that. Um, and I noticed that my, my iPhone does this from time to time where it groups things together based on if I go away from my normal location for a weekend and I take a bunch of photographs, it creates a moment around that. And so I can just go in and look through that, that moment that was recent history. And, and I do appreciate it because it allows me that collective view of that moment in time in my life. And I think that's what Google's trying for here. They're, a little more room for improvement, obviously. It should be pretty straightforward. I, like you, Virginia, you heard about it and I was like, yeah, I'll go try that. That should be easy. And it wasn't as straightforward as I expected. It, I expected to largely be automatic, mm-hmm. that it just happens. Mm-hmm. And I see the output and thank you very much. And do I want to share this? Yes, no. Do I want to change a theme or something? But But it Good feels concept. like there's more to it. Yeah, love the concept. Absolutely. And I think it's, the sort of thing that will continue to grow value with users, um, I, I you know hope they continue to um, invest in it and, and kind of simplify it a bit.
3: Yeah, I loaded the Google Photos app onto my iPhone, and it was it was cool because it did index all my photos and then organize them. And, and the organization was really good, actually, putting all of the photos uh, with my kids in one folder, ones with me and my wife in another. Um, but, you know, my, my photos are kind of vanilla. That's like kind of all the photos I have. So it was really easy for them to kind of <laughs> organize folders. them that way. <laughs> yeah. So I, I would imagine that if things got more complex, I had more variety, there might be some more issues with them kind of organizing things properly. But
4: And that brings up an interesting point because I'm thinking along your lines and I'm thinking applying that to my own life and I've got, I'm an avid photographer. So I have my dogs, the home we're in, my new mountain bike, the flowers in the backyard, the stars up above, like how are they deciding what goes where? And then, you know, is this everything that's based at this location goes into one folder? Well, that's called a camera roll (laughs) and it has everything around the house. But then, you know, are flowers the home? Are, are flowers, you know, botany? And you create that for me and then bring everything over there. And, and it, people who do have a diverse set of collections, like that could grow to be as complex as just trying to find one photo in 2000 on your phone. So it'll be interesting to see. I'm, I'm going to dig in a little more on this and see if I can uh, push that limit.
1: Yeah, I think I'm going to do the same. I would think that it would also do it by geolocation Mm -hmm. because I do a fair amount of traveling all over the
4: place. Exactly.
1: I have found that many of my photos are, this is me in Tokyo versus me in Europe versus me here versus even here where. Yeah, Um, It would seem as if that would be a natural way to do it.
2: Um, What about um, image optimization tips? get to some basics take good
4: photos maybe there's (laughs) keep them in focus
2: yeah yeah that's actually um a harder tip than (laughs) yeah can you can sometimes do this no stock photography thing is like standard but take your own photos is hard
4: yeah it's not straightforward but i mean there are some things um you know that you can do to optimize photos and you know christy's got some ideas around this and i love the ideas that that have been brought forward you know um, including width and height attributes and image tags, um, you know, managing the file size., uh, that's something that's overlooked by a lot of people. They take whatever their photo is, just as a JPEG and the gif and they load it to the server and they link to it, and they think, hey, that's great. there it is. You know there's a lot you can do with a gif to take away some of the color gradations that are not visible to the naked eye, but dramatically reduce the file size on it. You know, uh, with a JPEG, you can reduce the quality of it. Not everything needs to be one hundred percent. And you know, I've seen images reduced down to forty percent that are crystal clear, still look fantastic, but drop file weight down to the single megabit territory from triple. Yeah. And it makes a dramatic difference, especially in this, especially today. I mean, AMP and how that's impacted, and mobile, and all of it. It you know that that is a really key thing.
3: Right. And page speed is the big one, right? In my opinion, anyways. It's definitely worth the time to save your images in the dimensions that they'll be displayed uh, yeah. on on the page. And, yeah. and a lot of e-commerce sites don't do that. Nope. Um, they figure the browser is going to go ahead and resize it. Let's let them do it. Uh, so they save one version of an image, a really large version, and then it gets resized by the browser, and that is a, a, a tremendous strain on the resources and the speed of the site overall. So it's always worth the time to actually not only define width and height, that's important as well, but that's more important so the browser can reserve the space on the page for those images um, and, and have text wrap around it naturally, even if the image isn't loaded at that time, they know that something's going to go there, how large it's going to be, so they're able to render the page quicker. But the resizing of images is something that too many people just uh, don't do properly.
1: I have a, a good story about that. I was evaluating uh, a client site, and all of a sudden he complained that, you know, the click-through rates dropped off the face of the planet. They weren't getting conversions. I go in, I start analyzing his site. The first thing I did is go to the homepage. It took 23 seconds to load. Apparently, marketing had control over the hero banner. Mm. And they loaded a seven point some megabyte hero banner up because they said, well, you might be looking at it on a big screen. (laughs) And so they loaded this horrible banner at the top of their homepage, which just totally shut down everybody going to it. (laughs) Now, uh, height and width has been out there for a very long time. I mean, we've been hearing about it from Google as one of their webmaster guidelines, But as I understand it, it is now, uh, in AMP, it is mandatory to have height and width on your images, and because of responsive, Mm -hmm. you really not just have to have height and width, you have to have a minimum width, right? and you have to be able to get it to scale, otherwise some of your images will be like tiny little thumbprints.
4: Yeah, which then, you know, that takes us right back to the quality of the original image. I mean... You have to be able to account for the quality at all sizes, you know. We went through this, you know, there was a period of glory days where we didn't really have to pay attention to images too much, you know, where it was just throw it in a container on the web page, let the system do the resizing, the browsers took care of it all. That was it. You know, page speeds, not really that big of a deal. It was more of a perceptional issue. And today we don't have those options. It's it's as I think of it, it's yet another shortcut in the world of SEOs that has gone away and it forces you to do actual work, real work. And so you start to see things like apps that are available that will automatically resize for you. You know, um, software that lets you take the photo in and then will give you a series of options of how you want this thing done and saved, and then you call it from that location, you know. There are businesses being built around these ideas today, and they seem a little ahead of the curve now, But in the next two years, they are going to be right on the money where businesses are that's the natural natural way it's going to be. Stock photography forces businesses to take their own photos under their own control. They invest in it, they feel it's an asset, they need to store it somewhere, they need to make size requirement changes. A service allows you for one flat monthly fee, manage it, store it, access it, all of it. You know, and to Rob's point, I mean, e-commerce sites, holy cow, like the fast movers in this area who take those stock images that they get in and put them through a system that optimizes them, they're going to see an advantage moving forward. Yeah, And they're just, you know, who yeah. wants to win? Yeah. Well,
1: actually, I think everybody needs to load their website on a modem just once. <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah, exactly, you exactly. Know? And go make some tea while you're waiting.
1: Because uh, if for those of us that remember modems, and I remember the conversation we had at dinner one night with David, <laughs> and he actually downloaded the modem sound yes. as one of his ring tones. Uh, exactly, that is cool. Exactly. Uh, but anyhow, um, for those of us that remember this, uh, I remember doing the research, and what I did was I took a one by one pixel transparent GIF mm-hmm. with a minimized black and white color palette. Right. As c- compressed as you can get it, it was mm-hmm. still forty-two bytes. Huh. Yeah. How big is your logo? Exactly. Right. Exactly. How big is that image that you think? Oh, I'll just throw it up there. Yeah. And how many words could you get for that same image? Yeah. And and if I took a you know a three hundred k image and made it one fifty, some people would say, yeah, it might save a fraction of a second. Now, how many do you have on your site? Yeah,
3: yeah, right. right. Yeah, and you know, one other thing is, uh, image quality is uh, directly related. There's no doubt about it to site quality, page quality. So, any any client that we have or, or site that comes to us that has a Panda issue, uh, Phantom, uh, some of these issues that that judge the quality of a page. Um, you know, you just have to look at Google reverse image search, right? You can throw any image into Google reverse image search, and it's going to return all the different versions it found online. Uh, if your images are not unique, mm-hmm. uh, it could be getting you in trouble, mm-hmm. bottom line. It's mm-hmm. worth the time to go ahead and, and take unique and, images. And one more thing. When
1: we ran our tests on our website through PageSpeed, mm-hmm. it came out and it told us what the page speed was, and we looked at all the variables because we do that. Mm-hmm. You know, we optimize all of it. And then... We went and ran web page test.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Now a lot of people don't do that. Yeah. But web page test will pass it twice. Mm-hmm. So they'll get the initial load, secondary load, it'll analyze caching, things mm-hmm. like that. What it showed were additional factors that were not in page speed. Right. And when we cache and set the cache dates and mm-hmm. you know, optimized it as best we can, mm-hmm. then went back and ran page speed, our score improved. Yeah, but there were none of the variables that we changed listed in page speed. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it, It's a more complex thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd recommend everybody run web page tests Just to well, and, you know, make sure it's okay,
4: you know, I'll tell you if people are thinking that you know Images aren't that important. I mean how people consume content, you know people want video Next they want images the very bottom of the pile. They want words to read you know, that's just a general human nature. It's, it's, people don't go shopping for a new pair of boots by looking at anything other than images first. Mm-hmm. You know?
3: These have been so many great SEO tips for photos. We've got to take a quick. A- We've got to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're diving into the latest updates regarding images on Twitter, as well as the awesome updates to Instagram that rolled out this month. We'll also talk about brands and how they can better leverage Instagram. Stay tuned. More SEM Synergy on the way.
0: Don't go away. SEM Synergy will be right back. Are you
4: paying too much for your paid advertising? Or have you quit altogether because it seemed like a huge waste of money? I'm David Ogletree, president of WME Training. Did you know that companies waste 25% of their PPC spend on average? At WME Training, we can show you how to make your AdWords account a lean, mean, converting machine. Whether you're just starting out or want to take your skills to the next level, we have a class for you. Contact the marketing experts at WMETraining.com.
3: At BruceClay.com.
0: Search engine marketing formulated for Web 2.0. You're listening to SEM Synergy on WebmasterRadio.fm.
2: Hi, welcome back to SEM Synergy. I'm Virginia Nessie, and this is Bruce Clay Inc.'s weekly digital marketing podcast on all things search and gi- digital. And I'm joined by David Zatella. Hi, David. Hi, Virginia. Today I wanted to cover some of the topics that were talked about in a recent AMA you did. An AMA, a Reddit, Ask Me Anything, over at RPPC. Um, that looks like it was a great one-hour uh, people's chance, Redditors, I guess especially, chance to kind of pick your brain and figure out your process.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. worked really well. My first AMA.
2: And I saw that, I mean, like a lot of big names have done AMAs over at that RPPC. I saw Brad Gettys and Frederick Valle's. Yeah. How, how do you say his name? Valle's. So, yeah, there's a, probably a really active PPC community there.
5: Yeah, and I, I had never known about it, so, so.
2: Do you think that you'll. Another good resource. Yeah, totally, I know that you use Twitter. Okay, so let me pull up this AMA, which people can get, and we have a short link for it. Right now, it's the sticky post on Reddit slash r slash PPC. Okay, here's our short link for it. It's bit.ly slash AMA dash Zetela, and your last name is S-Z-E-T-E-L-A. Okay, so if you were to go on Reddit and find this really cool conversation, What was your, like, kind of take of the thing? I mean, you guys, you made it one hour long, so were the questions flying at you during that time? I know a lot of them were actually set up beforehand.
5: Yeah, most of them were set up beforehand, but they turned into conversations, and then uh, there were some that came in during the AMA. Very diverse questions. It was really fun.
2: Yeah, some of them about, like adapting to an agency or our agency in particular, I guess I could say, because you've you've had your own agencies. The last question, which was in this thread that doesn't look like it got an answer, maybe came in a little late, was the most common mistakes that you see regarding assisted conversions or what's your take on AdWords tracking store visits? I don't know if that's something that you cover in your presentation on common AdWords mistakes.
5: Um, not really. AdWords reports about assisted conversions is, I call it interesting, but not actionable. Hmm. Uh, there really isn't uh, a lot of you can do with the information that you have in hand. Uh, I find that Google Analytics multi-channel funnel reports give you a lot more information about number of steps that someone takes before they, they actually convert. And it's actually actionable because you can break it down by... Campaign ad group and keyword.
2: Well, that's really helpful.
5: And then the, uh, AdWords tracking story visits. I haven't tried them yet. We haven't had any clients that, uh, have brick and mortar places. I've read about them and they seem like they would work, but uh, I can't speak from experience.
2: Cool. Now pet piranha has an answer. I hope they're listening to the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I'm going back up to the top of this thread here because, um, People who aren't aren't familiar with Reddit comments are voted up based on you know how popular they are, so they kind of rise to the top of I the, didn't know that. Of a thread, yep. So the most popular question was from Ginny Marvin, you know Ginny over at uh, Search Mar- Search Engine Land. I know her as like kind of one of the editors of, of the PPC area. Right, she's great. She um she asked for how our team at Bruce Clay Inc. has influenced your approach to paid search at all and if there's any synergies in the ways teams or clients look at PPC and relates to the overall marketing strategies. Now I'll add to this a little bit too because I was in a call with you and a client the other day as we were kicking off a new project and I heard you describe our process is very team oriented and so we have our team here which you know you lead as the VP of search marketing. And I wonder if that's different than other agencies or?
5: Well, I'm not sure. I suspect yes, because uh, communication between departments, even in small companies, uh, frequently is, is uh, less frequent and less deep than it should be. Um, and I'll, I'll have to say that, especially recently, the SEO team and the PPC team have uh, started to meet regularly. Uh, share reports regularly and uh, it's helped it's already helped immensely I mean mm-hmm. we we pull up uh, for example we pull up uh, channel reports when we are reporting on monthly uh, performance and we show the client not just the number of conversions and the uh, average order value and the revenue etc uh, from PPC we show the uh, all of those data points for organic direct um, you know any channel that is pushing traffic to the site Mm. so frequently we're able to say uh, for example all the other channels suffered but ppc saved the day or conversely um, all of the channels suffered including ppc so maybe there's something wrong with the site or maybe it's due to seasonality or,
2: you know, I stopped a PPC campaign and Organic also suffered, and then you see that there's a synergy with branding or that yes, kind of thing.
5: exactly.
2: That's really cool. Okay, awesome. Okay, the next post is about your offer, which we'll kind of repeat at the end of the show here, but you've got a PDF copy of your book and also a presentation on AdWords mistakes, which people can get, and you gave out your email here. So is that something we can share with podcast listeners too?
5: Absolutely, Sure.
2: That's dzatella at bruceclay.com. So, hey, what do you think are the biggest changes in your personal approach to PPC over the last 15 years?
5: The answer I gave pertained to client satisfaction. Uh, You know, I've learned an immense amount about how and when and uh, what kind of information uh, Mm. we need to share with clients, and especially how to resolve issues. With, with a variety of client personalities. Mm. Another thing that I think has changed a lot is the mantra uh, up to two or three years ago was the more keywords the better. And mm. I, re- I remember uh, very, when I was very proud to have built my first million keyword account. <laughs> you know, we, we had covered every, every possible long tail keyword and uh, quick, quickly found that dealing with a million keywords imposed a, a huge overhead managing the account, uh, trying to pull it into AdWords editor, trying to f- find things in the, in the native interface, started to pursue a different approach called keyword light where we would start uh, a new account advertising with you know the very obvious and the very important core terms and then we would wait to see which were the uh, ad groups that gained the most most traction in terms of conversions and conversion rates. And then we would start to uh, build those out with more long-tail terms.
2: That makes sense. So you find what's working and then build from there instead of That's just right. kind of throwing every piece of spaghetti you have at the board.
5: Right. Yeah, when we do audits now, one of the things we do is calculate uh, the number of uh, keywords that have never converted and the number of keywords that have never uh, and that has never accrued any impressions meaning no one's ever searched on that term mm. and uh, frequently we see accounts where you know there may be 22,000 keywords and only 100 of them have ever converted mm. um, that usually also means that the account has spent a lot on clicks that didn't convert so uh we also calculate the amount of money lost to clicks that didn't convert okay so it's usually an indicator of uh you know things that really need to be uh, tackled first
2: uh i'm gonna go off book here and for a second and ask about the audit process i don't think this is kind of dived into in this ama but Um, You've been doing a lot of audits um, because we do offer a free uh, 15-minute audit at, like, the conferences and stuff, you know, so that people can kind of see what it is they're missing from working with you. Um, Do you have a process for your, like, quick audit? What are, like, the high-level areas that you're going to examine?
5: Yeah, we've got a a very detailed process. It's a a four-page document with... um, you know, several, many different checkpoints uh, that we look at, uh, trying to find mistakes and trying to find miss, missed opportunities. So, uh, for example, we'll look at um, the, the ads and the ad copy and the messaging and uh, provide feedback on that. Uh, one of the most frequent mistakes I see, and this is in the slide deck that uh, we'll be giving out, uh, is that advertisers are running too many ads per ad group uh, they think that's a good idea because they think they're testing those ads against each other and uh, the fact is that uh, almost always they let that test go very long and as a result they may be they may be running five loser ads against uh, one winner and one clear winner mm. and you know the the, the easy win the easy quick win is to just shut off the, the ads that are uh, not performing as well as the winner. So we, we look at ads, we look at keywords, uh, we look at the keyword match types, and uh, another tip is that uh, we, we've we settled on using only uh, broad match modified and exact match keywords. We're no longer using uh, phrase match because for some reason the cost of phrase match clicks has risen over the past year especially. Uh, and we. You know, the search terms are pretty much covered by the broad match modified keywords. So we look at keywords, we look at the landing page, um, we look at all the ad extensions. Another another fun one is, I would say 80% of the audits reveal that uh, ads are being served outside of the geographic target that the advertiser has chosen. Um, and so we look at that, and we calculate exactly how much has been spent on clicks outside of the geographic location, mm-hmm. and frequently find, you know, thousands, tens of thousands of dollars uh, that the client wasn't even aware of. So uh, that's another quick fix.
2: Why would an ad be served outside of the location that they set?
5: Because. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say, this is kind of a Trump, Trumpian thing to say, I'm not going to say that it's a, a blatant money grab by Google. <laughs> so I'm definitely not going to say that. But uh, the fact is that uh, by default, uh, there's a little advanced geographic setting that sh- says, uh, I'll, I'll paraphrase it, something like, show my ads to people Uh, in my geographic targeted location and people from outside the location that might be interested in my products or services and uh, you know that sounds innocuous but what it does is gives Google carte blanche to spray the uh, ads all over the world Uh, and the the fact that that is uh, the default setting is uh,
2: the thing I'm not going to (laughs) say.
5: But it's easily fixed and that's another
2: quick, easy win. Okay, all right, gotta know what you're looking for though.
5: Yeah, it's in the dimensions
2: tab. So here's a question about targeting methods on Google Display Network. I'm gonna kind of fast forward through this question. So the question was, do you have preferred targeting methods on the GDN? And you said custom affinity audiences because of the best possible precision Marketing, remarketing lists, um, oh, okay, so then the person asks, what do you mean by the best possible t- rec- precision here? And then you say, the ability to hyper-target ads to people in your target audience or even a subset. And somebody asks for a guide or a recommendation for setting these up. He doesn't really see. I didn't see that before the under the AMA. Yeah, that's cool, but I don't know if you have written anything about this, or if you know that you know maybe Google has something on this, or uh, another another organization has written anything on hyper targeting ads with custom affinity audiences.
5: You know, I ha- I haven't seen a lot of resources uh, by third parties. You know, mm. I've seen a handful of articles about affinity audiences, at least one that I've written myself. Mm. Uh, custom affinity audiences. Uh, I'd say that the best resource right now uh, is the set of help pages uh, right in AdWords. Okay. Uh, they still don't really go as far as they should in giving uh, examples. You know, it's. Uh, they, they might supply one example, but it, it doesn't uh, doesn't uh, mm-hmm. leave the person educated about how they need to apply it to their um, situation.
2: That's a good content hole. I know that um, one of the writers here at the company had followed along with your um, AMA, and afterwards she was like, "There are a lot of seeds of good content here that you know. Together, we might just need to expand on."
5: Um. Well, I wish I could say that my, uh, my the book that is currently being sold out there that I wrote um, on, I think in 2009, I wish I could say that was a good resource. Mm. but unfortunately, most of these uh, you know th- th- most of the uh, targeting methods that I really like were not uh, existent back then. Mm. But there is a rumor that um, there may be another book coming out someday.
2: Yay. I, I've heard that rumor. Have you really? <laughs> um, and then what's, what is your PDF book? Is that the same book? Or is that That's
5: different? the book that I wrote for Wiley Cybex back in 2009. Okay. Called uh, PPC on One Hour a Day.
2: Got it. Okay. Question about, edu- there's actually a couple questions about education. I've lost one of them now, but then there was another about certifications and stuff. What are All your right. feelings on that?
5: Uh, I love the AdWords and Bing Ads uh, certifications. I think they're uh, AdWords. Uh, Bing Ads only has one, uh, but Ad, uh, AdWords uh, offers, let's see, six, seven if you include uh, Google Analytics. And uh, they are uh, difficult enough that they require study. And uh, we found it to be a, a great way to bring uh, new hires up to speed. Quickly, you know, I almost never, even with senior people that we have, we've hired, I've never seen somebody that has a complete uh, a set of skills that cover all the topics that Google mm. offers. Including myself, I'm going. I'm going to uh, pass the shopping certification next week.
2: Yay! I know we're yeah. collecting them, those certifications around That's here. Right. <laughs>
5: That's right. Kyle's got the most. <laughs>
2: deep competition. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's see. Let's do one more before we finish off here. Um, How about that big topic that everybody asks about, which is, what's going on with removing sidebar ads in Google search? Who's gonna get the impact?
5: Yeah, well, unfortunately there are winners and losers already, and uh, the winners are companies that can afford to, uh, to some extent, buy their way to the top of the page, Um, but even even more pertinent, uh, they're using all of the ad, ad extensions um, and maximizing the amount of real estate that their ads occupy in the search results page mm. uh, so that they can actually uh, sometimes push their competitors down further in the, in the uh, ranking. Um, and as we all know, uh, more real estate equals better click-through rate, better click-through rate equals better quality score, uh, better quality score uh, leads to lower CPCs, which is directly related to profitability. So it's important to to be up there with all of your uh, ad extensions. The losers are going to be and have already started to be uh, those advertisers who are in uh, very competitive markets, and uh, this this is frequently uh, a local business a law firm or financial firm, um, even plumbing and uh, HVAC where there's a lot of competition locally and the key, and and for that reason the keywords are very exp- very expensive the CBC's for the keywords are very expensive uh, now whereas before this change uh, it, it was possible for uh, an advertiser in that situation to get some clicks, and conversions, uh, despite the fact that they're at a period low on the page, and even at the bottom of the uh, page, um, they're, they're being priced out of the market. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think there's going to be some fallout of, from uh, advertisers in, that, in those industries. Um, I've also read recently that first page bid amount, Google lets advertisers know how much they would need to pay to, to just show up on the first page. First page bid amounts are uh, definitely going up, mm. and that's, that's the reason because there are fewer ads on the page.
2: Right.
5: But across I did hear the board, from, from, doesn't matter
2: Fre- your industry, right? Just across right. the board.
5: Mm. I did hear from uh, Frederic Valles when I interviewed him on my show uh, this week that Google, when he was with Google, they did experiments... That led to this action, and they found that the ads at the bottom of the page outpour, outperformed the ads on the side of the page. So they talked internally about trying to convince advertisers that they should, you know, shoot for the bottom of the page, even if they, their ads were not high on the page. And uh, they, Google, just concluded that uh, that was just counterintuitive, and people wouldn't believe it.
2: Hmm. Wow, oh, here we
5: are.
2: that's an interesting uh, uh, P- finding. So, yeah. well, I, I would like to hear more on that, that you, you guess, I guess this is a good time to mention that you talk about it with Frederick Bellies on your show and that you have okay. a show called PPC Rockstars, um, which people can, of course, subscribe to and hear more from you and your guests, yep. all, all the experts in this uh, online advertising space. Thank yep. you, David, for coming on the show today.
5: Oh, my pleasure, as always.
2: And so you can get a copy of Dave's PDF um, book or presentation about top AdWords mistakes if you drop them a line at dzetella, S-Z-E-T-E-L-A, at bruceclay.com. Thanks again for sharing your AMA highlights, Dave. Anytime,
5: Virginia.
2: Thank you for listening. If you want to hear more, please subscribe to the show and then new shows will be in your podcast player when you're ready for them. From all of us at Bruce Clay, Inc., see you next week on SEM Synergy.